0: Welcome to Start Canada Podcast, where we interview startup founders, innovators, and thought leaders from the heart of Canada who are challenging the status quo, scaling their business, and bringing new ideas to life. Tune in with me, your host Margot Miller, to hear firsthand exactly how they did it. Start Canada Podcast is powered by the Manitoba Technology Accelerator and Tech Manitoba, and sponsored by Scotiabank. this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Anthony Haliski, the founder of 204 Meal Prep, a company offering fast, convenient meal options delivered direct to your door. But unlike many of the names you may have heard of in this industry, this subscription meal service includes already fully prepared meals, so they're ready in just a couple minutes. Their target market then is young, successful professionals who are health-conscious and live busy lives. In our conversation, Anthony shares with us the hurdles of this subscription business model, the experience of purchasing his main competitor, and even some tips for healthy eating. If you've ever wanted to know the ins and outs of a subscription box meal prep company, then this is the episode for you. Anthony, welcome to Start Canada Podcast.
1: Uh, It's been a pleasure, how's it going today?
0: Oh, I am good, and I am excited to get into your company. But start, if you will, for us at the very beginning.
1: Ooh, uh, it's been a it's been a journey. I, I can tell you that for sure. Started about five or six years ago. I was um, 2014, 2015. I was uh, helping one of my uh, friends get ready for a fitness competition. Uh, he approached me of uh, meal prepping. It was kind of a kind of side thing. Cash into the table, you know helping uh, helping a friend out, kind of progressed into moving into getting into that fitness industry, helping other fitness competitions uh, competitors, and moving into being approached through other bigger companies and high end uh, individuals as well so mm-hmm. It uh, it was a roller coaster, to say the least.
0: And at that time, it was a lot of like one on one. Then that you were doing.
1: Yes, it wasn't. uh, It's not what it was, and not what it is today. Right. It um, it started off as one on one, building that clientele base, uh, making sure that customer service is the key number one um, focus on and preparing someone's meals, like other service products, other subscription based products, you're you worried about just one particular item with with food, it's it's a little different. and I' um, making sure that that uh, that that customer care, you're putting something in your body, right? Mm-hmm. making sure that it's hundred to at, right? Working in hospitality, you can kind of learn that. That's where i I spent many, many of my years throughout university and and getting to that that customer service is. It's key for.
0: And then take me through the evolution. So you're doing one-on-one uh, meal prep right. or, or nutrition plan type stuff for people that are doing fitness competitions. Yeah. Fast forward. What are the steps to get you now to a subscription box type meal prep company where you've got all kinds of clients that are strangers? It's less that one-on-one feel now.
1: Yeah. It. Uh, I, I find it. You need to. You need to. Kind of have that equal balance of 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 doing both, right? With with the subscription base, it you still try to keep that one-on-one service because it is healthy food. It's it's nutrition. It's it's convenience at that point. Uh, when when you're going to the subscription service, you wanna you wanna have that that real uh, connection with your clients. Um, but it, um, it it you gotta hire a team. You gotta you gotta make sure that. Um, those clients are met, uh, and moving to a subscription base—it's—it it comes with its uh, positives and negatives in a sense. So, uh, yeah, it was—it was, it, it was it's, it's a journey to uh, to say at least. So
0: early on, when you're dealing with those clients where you're doing the one-on-one, did you think that could be a business for you in and of itself?
1: Uh, I did. Um, also realize that the kind of don't want to be greedy, but the money, like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't lucrative enough to, to, uh, to expand that business model. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a chef. Right. Right. Um, and I realized that like, I'm, I I come from a kin background. I I went to school for kinesiology at U of W. I, I don't have that, um, that nat for, I have that nat for cooking, but I don't have that certification for being a personal one-on-one chef. Right. Um, uh so I looked into the subscription base uh services because I know other competitors out there were were around your um HelloFreshes, your your other meal subscription boxes that uh prepared you get a bunch of ingredients and then you prepare it at home and you get recipes and you know that's that's the that's the model they were doing. But mm. I, I kind of flipped it on its head and said, Hey, why don't I take what I was doing from one-on-one meal prep service for your competitors, and moving it into that model of, hey, you're going to get a healthy prepared meal straight to your door um, on that weekly basis, but it's prepared already. So you don't you take the time out of it, you take the aggravation of going to the store, shopping, dishes, all, all all of it. You pick up the phone or visit our website and. And everything's done for you.
0: How early did you know that would work? Because there are already those big competitors in, in there out there, right? In the market. Yeah. You had this maybe a little bit of a different niche, but like how did you validate that
1: maybe? Um It was it was a lot of market research. Like I I had to take steps to find out that what the other competitors were doing, what they were doing right, what they were doing wrong. And kind of adopt that into the model that I'm currently using today. Uh, the um, the like I, I realize that the subscription base it's it's great because you're getting that guaranteed income. You know what your clients are doing, what their orders are going to be. You got to set a menu, and you kind of can shop for for the back end as well as the front end and listen to the customers what they want, and then shop from what you need as a backend and then make sure that that subscription is met on a weekly basis instead of going on a one-on-one basis where it's like, I want X, Y, and Z and then you have X, Y, and Z and ABC and EFG and so many different variables. All the customization. All the customization where it was better just to move into that subscription model where you have a base menu and now you can model and scale that that mm-hmm. business to um to that to that level, right? Right.
0: And certainly you were you were nice earlier, you know, in joking about at the end of the day, we do have to do something that's gonna make us money. So you had right. to have something that was gonna be scalable at yes. some point. Did you lose any clients from the original batch that you were kind of testing it with when you said, like, listen, I'm only doing five options now or 10 options or whatever it was?
1: Um, yes and no. I, I try to keep it, I try to keep everyone happy of <laughs> Learned that in business is that you got to you got to also work out for yourself and you also got to look for uh, for your your customers. Um, I'm slowly moving into moving into the uh, here's our set menu. If you want customization, we can do it, Uh, but it's gonna. This is what our options are, rather than having a thousand one different options to choose from. Um, it, uh, It 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 was it was a constant battle of figuring out. Uh, logistics like that's what uh, and I spend many many times trying to research uh, how other companies grow in that in that space and it's it's so cross-comparable from every single different subscription company that you start off with just one little uh, product and you okay well what can make this scalable and I'm realizing now that with the company I have now that having that, um, those multiple products um, across the board and getting rid of the customization uh, for the everyday client is the route to grow this company into to something bigger. Uh, not saying that we won't, are not able to do the customization because that's what our bread and butter and the, the company was built on, the baby. Um, but you've got to adapt to the times, right? Mm-hmm. People want fast and convenience. They want healthy and 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 ready made, right? So, especially what's going on in the world right now, that we got to kind of pivot to what the society and and, and what customers want, rather than what we were doing. So, it's adaptability at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and ultimately, you're not going to please everybody, right? Like you do have to, in a way, pick a path because your time can only be used. In so many places at once, right, right. But you're growing your team, so and we'll talk about that in a minute. But take me back to the beginning yeah. when you were working with various athletes in training, and I and I think from your story, your history, you've also worked with some of the some CFL players, some of the Bomber team doing meal prep. What was that experience like, and what were you able to kind of learn from it?
1: Yeah, um, like right around the same time that I started out doing all this back in 2014, 2015. I was approached by a couple of the bomber players um, to do their meal prep because they understood the value of nutrition um, as being a high level athlete, right uh, that took uh, that was great for 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 a little while they 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 were really supportive i got uh, talked to uh, many of the jets players and the gold eyes as well to help them move their nutrition into a um, a higher level, right? The correlation between nutrition and and um, meal prep and, and having healthy meals. Like Mark shifley has a personal chef. Uh, a lot of the Bomber players have do meal prep by themselves. A lot of professional athletes do pre, uh, meal prep by themselves, um, or find other companies and and do it that way. And they see a correlation between nutrition and high performance. Mm. So from bringing that to everyday individuals, high level income earners, uh, people that want to succeed in this realm, there's a huge correlation between that high high level, anything and proper nutrition, right?
0: Yeah, yeah so, I mean, I even look at your product and think like, I should probably be using this right now, right? Because it is, for busy people, it makes a lot of sense. Um, when you're talking about getting all those really neat opportunities of working with these various teams and athletes, why you, Anthony? Like, how did you manage to make that your opportunity? Because I think a lot of people would love to be able to work with athletes, especially if they have if that's their background, they're going into nutrition, or or they're hoping to work in, you know with a professional sports team. How did you get that opportunity
1: for yourself? I I don't know. I, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. Um, I, I might have been lucky. I I. I don't know if it was if it was the connections between the community that I had with um, with being in that sports realm at at the university. Networking is key, I find, um, and and meeting those individuals. And I think word of mouth is key. Like Winnipeg is such a small city that um, it's it's that big town, small town kind of big city, small town kind of feel that once your word gets around that you have an amazing product and amazing service and the knowledge and the the capacity to uh, move the the product from start to finish with the customer service aspect behind mm-hmm. it.
0: The reliability. The
1: reliability. Um, I feel that people really latch onto that. Like we've just seen a big movement with support local um, during during these times. And I feel that a lot of people in the city are really interested in supporting that local aspect. And I feel like that really helped me many, many years ago. Now, now it's, it's, it's paying its dividends. Now when, when everyone else is, is trying to help that, we're trying to pay back as well too. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's, it's a cash 22, right. It, that's what I found when, when I like, I got those opportunities. I didn't know how I got those opportunities it kind of just fell in my lap, and I had to run with it. Like I had to go right. I I couldn't say, well, I guess they can just find someone else. No, like you, you take that opportunity to run with it. Like with with the meal prep, it, it took it. Now I'm I'm here, right? Like I I couldn't I couldn't say no to back then, and I I stumbled a lot. Like I I had no idea what I was doing. I it was it was kind of crazy. I um a little backstory between yeah. before that like. When the bombers approached me, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing um, when it came to to me, the, the meal prep process. Like I had to uh, like get a, I built a website. Like I was in my final final exams at the time. Built a website in three days. Built a PowerPoint presentation from scratch while doing all these these um, these exams on the side presented it to the few bombers that came to see me at Earl's one day and said, okay, this is what I have. This is what you're going to get. And, and they liked it. Like I, I sold them somehow on. I I, like, I just, I I took that, I took that initiative and and did it. And I feel that a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays have, uh, have that, um, that, uh, that barrier that they, they're they're doubting themselves, whatever Mm -hmm. they're going to do. And to be honest, just do it. Like that's, what i'm i'm finding is that like if you, if i didn't do what i did back then and just persevered and just put 110% into it that i wouldn't be here and with with that uh without that opportunity right yeah that's so, a
0: great attitude yeah. that it seems like you had and and you know obviously it worked out for you but what about that period of time where you're still doing that kind of stuff as the side hustle type right. thing right and you're clearly like you know jumping on the opportunity but how do you know when it's right to go from side hustle to, to feed in?
1: I think that comes internally. Like with, with every entrepreneur, I think there's a time in a, in their, in their life where they kind of sit back and say, okay, is this something that I can be doing for the rest of my life? Or is this something that it's going to be just one of those side hustles? Right. Um, backstory like my parents came from a um an entrepreneurial background right they had a really big uh video production um company back in the 70s 80s and 90s early 90s uh before they had me and my brother and um they were really successful but they were also doing it on the weekends and my my parents worked full-time jobs and they did this on the side and um i i maybe that's where I saw a little correlation between how I operated and how they operated is that they could have took that and adapted the times because now what we're sitting on a beautiful set here and there's so much more technology and mm-hmm. I think they got pushed out by the technology. They didn't take that leap of faith. I'm doing that. To stay ahead of it. To stay ahead of it. With, with what I did, when I said, you know what? Like, this is something that can be a multi-billion dollar industry. And it is a multi-billion dollar industry for, for what it is. And I feel that a lot of entrepreneurs are taking that leap of faith of doing your research, knowing what it is, but it's also coming in internally and saying, is this something I want to do for, for the rest of my life? Or is that something that it's... Um, it's something that like I'm just going to keep it as a side hustle. You you got to really dig deep and know, understand like what is your why, right? Like start with why. Like uh, Simon Stilett, Sinek, I think his last name mm-hmm. is. Is uh, I read the book and like he really kind of at the same time of like me saying, okay, am I going to go from doing this part time and 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 working up uh, working in my career um, with with my kin, or as a personal trainer, or whatever that might be, or is this something that I can open more opportunity indoors doing the meal prep side mm-hmm. and uh, and helping other other people just succeed in their life goals and life, their life dreams? And that's and I I think I've I totally know that I've made the right opportunity and right decision to do that opportunity um, of doing this right. So it it comes down to trying to figure out if it's worth it internally like a lot Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs are going to struggle with that but understand what why like start with your why right why do you want to do this and then go from there right so yeah I think that was that was that point where I'm like I sat down and I was like hey I might got something here you
0: felt the passion I felt the passion right right yeah. yeah So, and I always wonder this too, and I think sometimes our listeners ask us about this type of thing where you've got the kinesiology background, right? And in there, you're learning about what your body needs. So some of that like nutritional information is part of that, right? But people might argue that to start a subscription box company, you're better off having a business background, like a business degree, right? right? When you balance those two things and where you are today, can you pull out actually the strengths that you have or the knowledge you had that actually was the most impactful to your business now?
1: yeah um i was i was on the edge of two like i i I was finishing off kin and I went back and did a business degree right um and and I always had that gnat for business like I, I like looking back at it, I was like, I should have done business. I would have done way better in school. I would have graduated three times faster and spent a lifetime in school as a professional student um and um, I went back and I did project management uh, at the time, and um, and I um, I I didn't even finish. I did six months of the program. I was the top of the heap heat because I realized what what I was doing in my business side and the entrepreneurial side, and what I was doing on the business courses and life had a correlation, and it was it was that point in time where. It was managing your time, figuring out what had to be done, and doing a full course load at a project management level, and doing condensed courses and getting things done and being on the top of the class to going to travel and say, "Is this really worth it?" That's what took that. That's that was was the summer of 2016. That was the time that I really stepped away from doing professional student. To moving into a full fledged entrepreneur and really finding the reason why I had to do it, and like I pulled things from my project management course, pulled stuff from self development because I was huge into self development at the time, uh, pulled that stuff from kinesiology, from understanding the the benefits of nutrition and health and fitness, uh, and it kind of just. Came together, right? It was, it was, it was, it was really the right
0: mix of ingredients. Yeah, it was right. right yeah. Yes. Yeah. It
1: was <laughs> yeah. brewing something. It was some sort of stew was going on.
0: Do you think you mentioned earlier about your parents having experience as entrepreneurs as well? Yeah. Do you think that played a part in this? Do you think it helped you maybe to believe that you also could do it?
1: I, uh, I look back on it now and I think it did. Like it was, um, it was interesting to have that, that upbringing that I would run around with my parents at wedding shows and wedding uh, at weddings or or mitzvahs or whatever they did with their little camera cases and understood the hustle of like getting things done, right? Um, and my parents would come home absolutely exhausted at the end of the day and put a roof over my head and put me through school and, uh, and did all that. But they made a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. to get to that point. I think that's where a lot of my drive came from um, because obviously, when you're getting older, you're like, "Why am I the way I am today?" Mm-hmm. Right? And you I self-assess think you a little self-assess bit more, self-assess a little bit more, and you take that take that time and really think about what got you here. And I think that was the reason why. And now, like my mom, my mom's working for me uh, at the business, right? She's she's got that. She's like can't say her age, but she's she's getting up there in, in age, but she, she's 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 like a spring chicken in that, in that kitchen, right? She's busting, busting around and, and doing her, doing her thing. And she, she absolutely loves it and like loves helping out. And I think that's got her back into that entrepreneurial spirit that she felt when she was raising me and my brother. Right. So it was kind of, it's kind of interesting that everything's kind of going full circle in life. And I find that a lot of people need that time to reflect and find out. Mm-hmm. what their true passion is.
0: We've talked sometimes on the show in the past about not taking, trying to watch how much investment you take from family members because there's always that risk that like if it fails now you like feel really bad with your right. family. What about, but I, you know, I haven't asked the question before Anthony about but the piece of having your family actually work for you. Um, has there been hurdles you've had to overcome with that or is it just kind of fun? Tell us about that experience. Uh, it,
1: interesting. Um, yeah. It is your boss, it's your parents, right? Like you can't like, but at the end of the day you're the boss. Yeah. And, um, and, there's there's that uh, there's there has to be that disconnect right it's like um, I understand that they raised you, you 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 have to have that level of respect for them um, but uh, with 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 handling with handling the business I wouldn't have it any other way right um, they put a lot of e- effort and and time and investment into the business because they want to see you succeed before when I started this they were like oh yeah you you can go cook in a community kitchen, and you you can do the bombers. It's great, sweetie. You're doing great. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and then and then fast forward five years, and I have my own facility, and I have a, a staff of fifteen, and um, it and hundreds of thousands of well, hundreds and thousands of people that I'm feeding in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Right, like it grew leaps and bounds in in three or four years, like. I I can't even explain from what happened from twenty eighteen to now. It's it's kind of it uh, like return on like my my business grew by four hundred percent in one year. Uh, Was able to move into a brand new facility, Um, and I know you were touched on it earlier. Buying out the competition, the major competition in Winnipeg, Uh, it's it it kind of came really really fast, like. (laughs) I I couldn't even explain the, like, the leaps and bounds that went through.
0: What does that feel like to grow that fast?
1: (sighs) I aged a lot. (laughs) Like, like, mentally, physically, um, I had to dive, I had to double down on a lot of things. Like, um, you can't put your foot into the little deep end and kind of, you're going to hear your noise outside from outside. People saying, oh, that's a bad decision. Like, trust me, like, when I was looking into purchasing the competition, I had so many people saying, is that the right thing to do right now? You know, it's you just got this place. You should be really focusing on this. And I'm like, well, yes, but you don't understand the master plan. You don't understand what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be totally like from all entrepreneurs out there, there's going to be a lot of outside noise uh, coming in uh, just, but stay focused on that. Why? Like what I, I touched on earlier uh, with, um, with, with like, and with that, like it um, it it's crazy on how much you have to really focus on surround yourself with a ton of great individuals Uh, network as much as you can. You can't really do that now, but it's really hard. But there's tons of mastermind groups that you can be a part of. Um, Reach out to like local individuals in the community or elsewhere and talk to those people that you want to be, right? Rather than talk to the people that are going to kind of hold you back, but have the same best intentions in mm-hmm. mind, right?
0: Best intentions maybe just a little more risk-adverse. Right. Yeah. And like you said, you made a really good point when you said that they don't necessarily see the full picture, right? Because not everyone is privy to all that information that you have. Right. So you grew really rapidly there. You you casually mentioned growing 300 to 400% yeah. in a year. Um, can you pinpoint how you were able to do that?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, advertising like marketing advertising um leaps and bounds right like uh i was at that again at that same time i was still kind of half in half out am i really going to do this like and i sat down with um a marketing agent and and he's like hey we need to you need to really pump this up like you have a great idea there's the potential of making this huge and um and I'm glad I did. Like I, I social media, email marketing, uh like word of mouth, phone number, surveys, like just trying to grow what people want in the city and 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 delivering on that and moving from a kitchen that was maybe as big as this is this set right now to to something that's uh, as big as this building, right? It's it was it was crazy on how much I had to grow in a short period of time and scramble of the struggle of trying to figure out um, rental space for, um, especially uh, with community kitchens in the city. It's it's a tough um, going for anyone that's in the food health uh, like food industry, mm-hmm. let alone meal prep like because of the health standards? Because of the health standards, because you have to appear to health standards and um and a lot of people are doing home based businesses and and obviously the government doesn't like that. And um but what I've done with what I have going right now with my business is I've opened up the opportunity for smaller business. I have eight to ten smaller businesses in my facility right now. Um, all socially distance, all socially safe. right. Um, working to make that those dreams, they have a reality. just kind of like I had a dream three years ago and couldn't find space to do it
0: and Anthony that seems like a whole other business because yeah. now you're renting space you're you know like a landlord you've got different responsibilities to these clients that are using your space do you feel like that's a whole other business or what did it just kind of feel necessary to have the space that you needed for your business um
1: it I, that was the point of like kind of giving back like I I I've I learned that like what what's your legacy what what do you want to do with 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 your company. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I brought that, that sense of community back into what 204 meal prep represents. Right. Mm. Uh, So helping other companies like that move into that, that space. Uh, So that, that was, that was huge, but like growing, growing that by 300, 400% in one year, it, any company can do that right now, like there's there's a ton of companies that are doing that right now from farmers' markets to to national branding right and they the lack of that acquisition of and um, i would say infrastructure for for those individuals are are few and far between where i had I had to find a way to give that back to mm-hmm. to those people because i struggled trying to find rental kitchens after rental kitchens, after rental kitchens to grow. Imagine doing one week, you're doing a hundred meals the next week, you're doing a thousand. Like it's like, that's what it, that's what it came to. It was like, it was like, like that. And it was, it was crazy on how, um, as an entrepreneur, you have to think on your feet and get that those, get those things done. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, who supported you most along the way through all those major changes? A lot of my family, um, a lot of my friends. They uh, they really supported uh, the brand, even though they gave me a hard time about it. They they it was with love, right? Like mm-hmm. um, you, you are the, the five people that you surround yourself with, and I do have that good click of people that really grew that um, the business in a in a, in a sense uh, and. And then reaching out to those those high-end business professionals uh, throughout the community to say, okay, what do I need to do to do this? Like, um,
0: Did high-end business professionals just answer you, though? Like, are they just, we've got a good enough community that people were willing to respond to your questions? A lot of them were my clients. Okay.
1: Right. So it was, you built that, like I said before, building that one-on-one um Connection with those clients, right? Even though it's a subscription service, right? Yeah. You still need to know who your clients are at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And they helped me grow the business. And I've talked to them and asked them, okay, well, what can I do here? What yeah. what, would what you suggest? Like, you're a high-end professional. What have you done in your career to, to better...
0: And that's yourself. maybe a good tip too. Like just to ask that question of your customers and clients, even if they are high-end individuals, not being afraid to just ask them. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think Gary V actually touched on that. Like DMing 30 people that you want to you be with. And if one responds, then, hey, it's one out of 30. And they're going to give you immense more knowledge than, mm-hmm. than what you have now, right? Yeah. So I kind of took that away from it. Too, and and reached out to these these people and and try to communicate and network with those those individuals.
0: That's great. So now I want you to talk to us a little bit about what you've learned along the way of creating a subscription box company. So in your case, it's not just a typical subscription box; it's with perishable items. Yes. So because you've got to get the food at a certain time. So just give us the cool notes of a subscription box company. Period.
1: Um. Well, it. Uh, it's a difficult. It's a difficult uh, question because it's 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 easy to do non-perishable items because you can store inventory, you can uh, have a fulfillment by X day and deliver it to your door, and you don't have to worry about anything going bad. Right. Um, with food, <laughs> it's it's a little different. Um, it uh, it's coming down to knowing what your food safety is. Uh, figuring out the uh, logistics behind uh, getting insulated boxes and um, making sure things are temped correctly, making sure that they're delivered within an hour of production, uh, or taking uh, out of uh, cold space to bringing it to upon delivery, uh, thermal bags. Like there's, there's, there was a whole bunch of things that I had to uh, come across and hurdles pick up, like. Community kitchens couldn't do pickups. So I had to figure out a way of asking the community kitchen, can I do pickups here? Because then if I don't do pickups, then I have to deliver it. And then I have uh, hundreds of deliveries and this and that, uh, where my delivery drivers did an immense job of delivering the final product to to the client. But there's so much things with a, a perishable item that people don't think about when it comes, oh yeah, you're just delivering food. It's just like, skip the dishes. And I'm like, eh, eh, (laughs) yes and no. Uh, But yeah, like making sure that your fulfillment's done on time, preparing everything up to a proper, safe food grade temperature that I had to learn um, and making sure that it's cooled down to proper temperature, delivered at a proper temperature. There's so much like risk analysis that you had to take into account that I didn't even think about when I was scaling that I like, I, I didn't think about when, when I, before I started scaling, like it was, I'm not thinking like I implemented those procedures now and it's, it's, it's taken um a month more resources that I wasn't even anticipating on, on taking, but making sure that that final product is, is great for the customer. And uh there's, there's so many opportunities to take the perishable way, like the perishable um route, like, Vacuum sealing—that's eventually what I want to do—and grow the company that way. Because then you can store your product at a safer temperature, uh, keeping it refrigerated or frozen, so you don't have to worry about getting that perishable product in the danger zone. So the customer and the consumer can have it, kind of like what your other food surface boxes are doing right now. And it's a lot of logistics, right? So yeah, it was—it was—it was a learning journey.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah. I'm curious in there too about your evolution of customer acquisition with a subscription box company because um, it is maybe a bit of a different market than where you started. Can do you have any advice if someone's starting a subscription box, specifically, obviously in your case as a meal prep, but around that customer acquisition piece?
1: Um. Yeah. Uh, customer acquisition was it was um it was an interesting. Uh, topic that one of like the the marketing and um marketing team and I kind of touched on and we're like okay well we know who our target audience is we got to figure out that tar- target audience now and put that into place to get the that customer um acquisition and how much is that going to cost what 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 hur- hurdles that they need to um do we need to to get that chicken breast, raw chicken breast to a meal to the door. Like it, it, it took a lot of team building and I'm, I'm glad I kind of did a lot of them on myself, but I had the, that team to, to do it with, with, um, but, uh, yeah, the, the customer acquisition portion, I, I found that reaching targeting that those high end individuals, figuring out what their day to day, um, Activities were who, who they are as a, like LinkedIn was huge to figure out. Okay, that's where I I I, I try to do a lot of my networking pulled a lot of my network off of because if you're on LinkedIn, you're already busy. You're you're looking for you're looking for something healthy um, and and getting that 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 access to nutrition um, is hard because a lot of them end up at their cafeteria or ordering in and it's not always the best food. And then they're spending long hours at the office and kind of gearing towards that that side of the customer acquisition of saying, okay, this is my target audience. This is what they're they're doing. This is what the service I provide. How do we get into these people's hands? So
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, reaching out to those people saying, hey, I know you're busy. But we got a solution for you, right? So that's kind of where the customer acquisition kind of went
0: and evolved and from, evolved yeah. from.
1: Um, and now we're moving into a whole different realm of, of like customer acquisition, right? It's what what we're doing now, like yeah, and everyone, I wanna I'm gonna jump to that yeah. with you
0: in just a second, but we're gonna have our speed round really quickly okay. here, Anthony. And so You know the rules, quick answers. And then I want to get back to that because I do want to talk to you as well about your acquisition of of the other local competitor that that we were dealing with. So right away here to start us off, describe yourself in a word or two. Ambitious. Okay. What motivates you?
1: Hard work.
0: What keeps you up at night?
1: Ooh, good one. Um, My cats.
0: Okay. (laughs) Who's been the most influential person for you?
1: Uh, my mother.
0: What is one thing in business that you are so happy you did? Start. <laughs> what is most important for your mental health?
1: I thank my girlfriend for this. Disconnecting.
0: Good. Yeah. yeah. What's one thing that you were wrong about?
1: Not starting sooner. Hmm.
0: How do you personally continue to learn and grow?
1: Uh, a lot of self-development uh, and reaching out to those people that you want to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Where are you in 10 years?
1: <sighs> Retired on a beach in Mexico. Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what does being a leader mean to
1: you? Helping others.
0: That's our speed round. Awesome. You did very well, actually. You were pretty quick yeah. at that. Yeah. Um, okay, Anthony. Well, from that, I do have a few things I wanted to follow up with you on, such as when you were talking about the mental health piece and saying that you do like just self development. Are there certain tricks that you do, like someone with a good background in eating well, exercising? Like, are those the key things? Or do you have peace? Do you do meditation, that kind of stuff? Like, give us a
1: sense of that. Um, I didn't. I. I... Didn't get into the whole meditation part, um, but the whole manifesting um, is is huge. Um, I, I'm getting more into that aspect. Um, as a healthy individual, uh, a lot of my stress relief is from going to the gym, right? Can't do that now. But working out from home, doing those meditations, uh, self-reflection, journaling, mm-hmm. uh, That that's key to balancing out that mental health. Yeah. Um, having someone else in your corner to kind of talk about those issues uh, and and kind of guide you through mm-hmm. and navigate um, the, the your life, right? Because yeah, work can consume you and trust me, it does. And I can attest to that. But finding time to disconnect and getting that, you can't be everyone's shoulder and you can't be that, uh, that strong individual all the time. You have to be able to like unwind yeah, at the end of the day. You too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Anthony, from the perspective of this like triangle of things that we need to do, including you know nutrition, health, sleep, all that, yes. all those things. Um, give me. Some feedback because personally, my area of the of that triangle that's the worst is certainly the nutrition piece because I'm very busy. So you've got this perfect clientele that you've found here. Yeah. But what what have you learned along the way, like from schooling all the way through digging into this as a business, that you could give us as advice on just doing a few things, maybe easy to get a little better
1: on that nutrition pillar? Um, I'm actually doing 75 hard. Um, it's a it's a fitness wellness self-development program. Andy Frisilla is the uh, person that developed this program. Uh, 75 days, um, do two workouts. One has to be outside, 45 minutes. Um, Drink a gallon of water. uh, Read 10 pages of a non-fictional book. uh, And no alcohol and follow a diet. For 75 days. Okay. Um, I failed a lot. Like, I was going to
0: say, I'm like, that would be really hard for me to do all those things.
1: Yes. And and what I, like, I, t- I, I took a little bit, a little bit by a little bit, right? Like, diving head first, like, what I'm finding is, like, diving head first into a lot of things, you're just going to fail a few days later, right? Mm-hmm. Taking those baby steps, because I failed 75 hard two or three times, and, and, Coming back to you is that taking those like maybe try drink more water a day, right? Because mm-hmm. water is key for a lot of bodily functions, brain health, skin, yeah. uh, like motor functions. There's there's tons of benefits to water. So even drinking more water every day, eating healthy. I, I trust me, I don't eat as healthy because I have my cheat days and whatever. I like I like I like my sweet. I have a sweet tooth. Don't get me wrong. Like, love love I uh, love uh, love sweets <laughs> yeah uh, chocolate, kryptonite um but um moderation like eating eating healthy in moderation, right you can't just be always healthy all the time and this is coming from a guy that preaches health and
0: like yeah. Health but I mean, I, and I am asking yeah. you for like a regular person too, you yeah. know? Like I'm not necessarily asking for someone who wants to like change their whole life, yeah. but it's just all of us could do a little bit better. So I think like, that's a mo- good point. Yeah,
1: moderation is key. Like mm-hmm. drink more water, do small steps. Like uh, finding finding time to do at least, like instead of taking the elevator, walk up the stairs, right? Like small things to change the overall thing. Like what Andy was saying is that this this program is supposed to help you in other aspects of your life, rather than just doing a fitness program. Like you're gonna get you're gonna get healthy, you're gonna get, you're gonna eat better, you're gonna sleep better, you're gonna drink more water, but like it it comes down to doing those small little tasks to make your overall performance better. So what I'm saying is that taking those little like small tasks that you want to improve on at the beginning of the year, it's January now, like at New Year's resolutioners out there take those small tasks and break it down into, or take that big goal and break it down into small tasks and then work on those small tasks on a daily to better that overall goal, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that
0: makes sense. Yeah. What about when you say to eat healthy? I feel like people have a different vision of what that is. What do you mean when you say that?
1: I Whatever makes you feel good, right? I, um, I did the whole diet phase. I, I lost a whole bunch of weight. I uh, did the whole fitness competition, tried to do the fitness competition, and didn't it wasn't really great for my mental health because you're so laser focused on one thing that you forget that overall balance of mm. life. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that try to have that balance of eating healthy because it's there's so much benefits to eating healthy. But also don't feel bad that you're gonna eat a chocolate or yeah. pound down a tub of ice cream watching Netflix. Like you're, you're. It's not gonna, it's not gonna really affect you that much because it, there's a lot of balance between your mental sanity yep. and your and your physical yep. sanity. But as long as you feel good, you're working out, you're and doing you're making those small
0: changes, small like changes saying. on a
1: daily basis. Yeah. That's 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 seriously the key, right? Mm-hmm. No one's perfect, right? So
0: that's right. Okay, as promised, I wanna totally change us topics here. And yeah. and I want to talk about the Prairie Box company that you acquired. So this was your main competitor here locally. And you've gone through your own journey. You're just opening your big new kitchen, right? I think timing-wise. Yeah. And then you get this opportunity that comes in front of you. So just talk us through like what happened in that period
1: of time. It was last year this time. Like it was got the kitchen in, in November in 19, uh, 2019, and um, got approached by the the co-owners and the co-founders of Prairie Box. Uh, they were located on Grant Avenue. They were my major competition for as long as 204 Meal Prep was in, in, in existence. It turns out that they started April 2016 and I started June 2016. It was just so happened that we started the exact same time Uh, The two founders approached me, made an offer, um, and back and forth. And we finally settled on a number. And this was February 28th, 2020. So, two weeks after the whole major shutdown of COVID. And I decided to... I'm like, I'm already in it. Like, uh, what's (laughs) what's the worst that's going to happen? And... um, and and bought the business mm-hmm. and and realizing uh merging two business it, people are like, are you gonna merge two businesses into one? Yeah. Are you gonna differentiate? Like, what are you gonna be doing with with your competition? Like, um, the branding's amazing. Like, um
0: the branding that they did, they did as well as what you did. What I yeah. did,
1: right? Um, but I, I'm thinking long term. I'm like, hey, prairie box, it's it's it could be a national brand, right? It could be a Cross Western Canada brand, um, and and that's that's the reason. Like two hundred four is great for the local, and and that was my opportunity of expanding into other provinces, is moving into six hundred four meal prep and four hundred thirteen or whatever Toronto or, right. or Vancouver or Montreal. Um, and but with Prairie Box, it's like okay, well now I have regina and saskatoon and calgary Mm -hmm.
0: many people identify as being part of the prairies prairies, right mm
1: -hmm. we're part of the prairies like prairie people love helping prairie people yeah so it was decided
0: to keep the brand separate basically yeah
1: kept the brand separate um, and revamped the whole like literally broke down to like the bare minimum and started building my way up so i built i tried to Rebuild a business that had three years of of just like work while doing that stuff and then rebuilding it from the ground up, brought on a new team, brought on um, uh, like asked for help like and built it to a, a point where we just relaunched our new website with things that our clients wanted um from Prairie box and doing that now. And then we're re re-adapting that with... Two, uh, I was trying to readapt that with 204 Meal Prep. So it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. balance two brands, two, two companies at the same time.
0: Yeah, even though they have similarities, Similar- do you feel like you're running two totally different businesses some days? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Do you have staff, other staff that work for both businesses? Or when you're saying you rehired there, do you try and keep them really separate?
1: Uh, no, I pretty much broke down both companies down to the bare minimum and said, okay, let's figure out where our commonalities are, what our differences are, and then build towards that. Um, So Prairie Box is going to be for your um, everyday individuals that want to eat healthy but are not on the major health conscious side Mm. where Tool for meal prep is going to focus on your diet-specific areas and customization. So I I went really pretty much 360 back to what I was doing before with Tool for meal prep because I found that a lot of my clients from Prairie Box want that customization Mm
0: -hmm. and that
1: that keto or vegetarian and vegan and gluten-free, dairy-free, all that diet, paleo, whatever your diet is. That's what two hundred four meal prep is going to do, even though it's going to have some other meals in, intertwined with that. But having that main concept, and then Prairie Box is going to be your everyday healthy meals that we can start scaling. Do you almost feel like more. that
0: allowed you to like fill the gap that maybe you couldn't do before? Like, because now you are you're truly allowed to do both things without having to cut one out of your your value proposition.
1: Yeah. That yeah. that was that was huge because it it came down to like I was button heads with them because I was focused on just what I would just said with two o four for mm-hmm. so long but realized that I had to move into that aspect into their and, space essentially into, yes yeah. and now I'm pretty much have that space where I can improve on it and bring new ideas to it with with the health side and the convenient side mm-hmm. of what two o four meal prep is
0: and now you're the guy you've got it all covered yeah. Now and you made that process sound really easy, Anthony. As far as like we talked about some numbers, and then here we are. Yeah. Um, You didn't. You hadn't bought a company before. You're, and again, you were in the middle of a bunch of other things. It's early COVID. What was your biggest takeaway from that experience of the actual acquisition itself?
1: Um, I lost a lot of sleep, Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um, I I think it was the years of like self-development, figuring out what what your why was. And, and that kind of went full circle. And, and understanding that, okay, this is what I have to do. I understand that the outside world is going crazy, but you really can't control the outside world. You can only control your backyard. And I feel that a lot of people get caught up in figuring out their neighbor's backyard rather than looking at theirs. Um, and that's what I did. Like, I just laser focused and figured out what I needed to do to grow both businesses inside a pandemic and a business acquisition and taking on new contracts and and growing it to what it is today and into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 was it was a struggle. Um, long nights figuring out plans, scrapping plans, redoing, reevaluating. Um, it took it took a year. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't overnight. Like I, I just said, it was. I just relaunched our websites today, right? To make sure that it was, and that that was a hurdle in itself to making sure that um, getting every little thing down to a point where you're still going to find bugs issues and glitches, it, yeah. Bugs and glitches is part of part of part of life, but I'm such a perfectionist in that sense that I need to make sure that everything is perfect before getting out there. Right, um, and I think that's one thing that like I maybe took away from starting is that you got to have that balance of like you need to do it and figure it out on the way, but when you're getting into an establishment of running another company and then taking over a lot of. Uh, great things in and and not great things of another company and then trying to do that with your same company you got to li- really sit back and say okay like every little thing needs to have a plan you get, just can't just dive head first in it because then you're just going to be like spinning tires and not getting anywhere anywhere fast you kind of have to yeah. like
0: there's a cautious balance there somewhere yeah, right yeah
1: it's a it's a weird balance of mm-hmm. like when you start you start you're going right but yeah. then you can't you can't keep your foot down all the time when you're in entrepreneurship because you're going to run out of gas. Like you right. need to like kind of leave. And you might off. be in the middle of nowhere with no help no anymore thing. at that exactly.
0: point. <laughs> yeah. So Anthony, you mentioned earlier that in this whole evolution of what you're doing, you're at a point now where you've kind of found creative ways to start giving back. And so you mentioned like with the kitchen space that you have mm-hmm. now, there's other people that can use it. And it's this great kind of like community environment. There's some other things I think that you're t- you're thinking of doing in the future that are other ways of kind of growing the community aspect of what you're doing tell us a bit about those
1: yeah um, there's um, a great program that just uh, came out uh, leftovers and they uh, start uh, they take um, all your leftovers from from your kitchen and um, sell it for to the less fortunate right I like I want to get to that point where um, the access of nutrition for just our meals and everyone else's meals are there like if you go to the if you can go to you can go to McDonald's and buy a, a Big Mac for whatever seventeen or whatever fifteen dollars right now where you can it's ridiculous like trust me or you go to like a meal prep company or a health food thing but and get it priced accordingly like it should like access to nutrition shouldn't be a burden on mm-hmm. on on individuals it should be a something that. Um, should be a something that's easily accessed Mm -hmm. and that's what I want to get with my company is that I want to have make sure that everyone's eating healthy and finding the benefits of eating healthy I think everyone knows that they have to eat healthy but it's also that that there's a barrier between that and that's what I kind of want to get to like that that's why I teamed up with the, the leftovers program um to kind of give back to, to let those less fortunate that can't get that access to that nutrition, right? Yeah,
0: that's so, so wonderful. It's very yeah. clear that you've found your passion because you're trying to do even more than you need to do, right? Yeah. And so it's it's very clear that you've found that right place for you. How to build a legacy. That's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Anthony, if people want to learn more about everything we talked about here today, where do they go to find you? Uh,
1: follow us on social media, okay. uh, 204 Meal Prep um, and Prairie Box. Mm-hmm. Um, find us Instagram, Facebook, Um, and uh, reach me directly um, via email. And uh, I'm more than welcome to give a hand and lend a hand.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about our guests, visit startpodcast.ca and be sure to rate and review us wherever you're listening. If you're new to the show and want more Canadian business inspiration, subscribe before you go. Start Canada Podcast is produced by your host, Margot Miller, with audio and visual creation by Event Pro and support from Dunse Systems. Start Canada Podcast is powered by the Manitoba Technology Accelerator and Tech Manitoba and sponsored by Scotiabank.